0: No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives
1: as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we consider the last written words of David and take a good look at his mighty men. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 2nd Samuel chapter 23. On simply the Bible. You know, last
0: words are very important and something that we want to hold on to. And we come today to the last written words of David. They aren't the last words that he spoke, but the last psalm that he wrote. We continue in 2 Samuel chapter 23. Now, these are the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse, thus says the man raised up on high the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. The spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue. David identifies himself as the son of Jesse. Jesse was a farmer. David, of course, was a farm boy in the sense that he was a shepherd boy when God called him. Samuel anointed him to be king and the Lord lifted him from the sheep fields and put him in. Jerusalem ultimately as king you might say that he went from the pasture to the palace truly he was a great man now David said the spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue David had this awareness that it wasn't him speaking but it was the spirit of God speaking through him as he wrote the Psalms and Peter would agree with this in Acts 1 Peter said, men and brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David. So it was the Holy Spirit speaking through David. That was what David was ultimately just saying here, that it was the Lord speaking through him. Then he said, verse three, the God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. That is just a good requirement for anybody who would be in a position of leadership over others, government authorities. And he shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds, like the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. Verse 5. Although my house is not so with God, Yet he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. Now, this is the New King James Version that I'm reading from. And, of course, David, at the end of his life, he realized he was not touting his own righteousness as he had done at an earlier time in his life. Uh, By this point, he understood that he was really not worthy of what God had brought into his life. He knew that his life was not perfect. His house was not perfect. And yet, he also knew that God had made with him an everlasting covenant. And it could be, as the English Standard Version says, uh, verse 5, For does not my house stand so with God? For he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. Either way, David understood that it was by the grace of God, by his everlasting covenant, not by his own righteousness, but by what God had said that he had an eternal dynasty. You know, he wanted to build God a house. God said, you're not the one to build my house, but I will build you a house, David. I will build you a dynasty, and you will always have one of your descendants sitting on the throne. And of course, ultimately, that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ when he comes again and sits on the throne of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the descendant, the son of David, when he shall reign forever and ever and? What a beautiful day that will be. Talk about great government. David also said, For this is all my salvation and all my desire. Will he not make it increase? And I love this. You know, all of David's desire and his salvation was now in the promise of the everlasting covenant. He'd come to the end of his life. He'd tasted everything that a man could taste, everything that a man could want. He had experienced. But the thing that was most important to him was this everlasting covenant that God had made that was his salvation that was his desire and he understood that it would be God that would make him increase ultimately and i think for us our salvation and our desire ought to be the everlasting covenant that God has made with us and of course that covenant is revealed in john 3:16 that god so loved the world That he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the everlasting covenant that God has made with us. Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Um, And that is what should be our desire. And certainly it is our salvation. It's our hope. We don't base our hope on our own righteousness. We base it on the grace of God as manifested through the eternal covenant through faith. In Jesus Christ. Verse 6 But the sons of rebellion shall all be as thorns thrust away, because they cannot be taken with hands. But the man who touches them must be armed with iron and the shaft of a spear, and they shall be utterly burned with fire in their place. So, you know, David was one who was a son of God, but the sons of rebellion are like the thorns. You know, they prick people, they pierce them. And though they're dangerous to be around, and you're going to get harmed if you touch one of them. Now, we come in verse 8 to a listing of David's mighty men. Now, we hear a lot about the mighty men of David throughout First and 2 Samuel. For the most part, they gathered around David when he was in the wilderness. They were discontent. They were in debt. They were distressed. But they became these amazing warriors, and they fused themselves to David because they so respected his leadership they would fight for him and and if need be lay their lives down for him now I should say that there are three groups mentioned in the rest of chapter 23 there is what was called the three and these were like the superheroes and then there was a a second group of three and they were right under the superheroes okay and then there was a a group of 30 verse 8 these are the names of the mighty men whom David had Joshebash Shebeth, the Tacmanite, chief among the captains, he was called Adino, the Esnite, because he had killed 800 men at one time. Imagine that, killing 800 men at one time, and he became the chief of the first three. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Doda, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines, who were gathered there for battle. And the men of Israel had retreated. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to plunder. So he's in a battle with the Philistines. All of his fellow comrades run away, but he decides he's going to hold fast to his sword to the point that his hand fuses to the sword, and he brings about. A great victory. I love the imagery of that because, you know, we know that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And when we stand our ground, when we hold fast to the Word of God, we will ultimately bring about a great victory. Uh, others might be running away, but, you know, you hold fast to the Word of God and God will see to it that you are standing in the end. Verse 11. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Hararite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Now, you know, I don't know that I would be real excited about a field full of lentils, but this guy, um, Shammah, stood his ground, defended that field, and uh, because he defended it, he killed many Philistines, and the Lord brought about a great victory. And I think the point is not so much what was in the field, but that he was not willing to give an inch to the enemy, and he was going to stand his ground no matter what. And I think that that's an important point for us to keep in mind. It really doesn't matter what it is God has given you. You know, maybe your ministry is to take care of the infants in the Sunday school, you know, but do you hold fast to what God has given to you? Do you defend that? And do you stand your ground? Uh, if you do, God will give you a great victory. I, I remember a woman uh, in our old church in California. She was an elderly woman, white-haired woman. Her name was Evelyn. Uh, she was retired probably in her 70s, I think, and she would watch our, our kids our, when they were babies, and oh my goodness, she was just so reliable. She was always there. She had such love for kids, and I'm looking forward to seeing her in heaven one day. Then three of the thirty chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam. And the troop of Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things were done by the three Mighty men. So, you know, David was out in the wilderness, was thirsty, just sort of dreaming. Oh, I wish I had some water from that well in Bethlehem where I grew up as a kid, you know. And these guys, the three, they just broke through the enemy's ranks, got David the water from the well, brought it back. And he said, I'm not going to drink this. This is your blood that you risked for me. So he threw it out into the ground, probably really as an offering because he, he couldn't bring himself to drink it after what they had done. Verse 18. Now, Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zerahiah, was chief of another three. So this is the second three. He's the chief of them. He lifted his spear against 300 men, killed them, and won a name among these three. Was he not the most honored of three? Therefore, he became their captain. However, he did not attain to the first three. Benaiah was the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man from Kabziah, who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day, and he killed an Egyptian, a spectacular man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand, so he went down to him with a staff, wrested the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, and killed him with his own spear. These things Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, did and won a name among three mighty men. He was more honored than the three, but he did not attain to the first three. So he was no doubt part of the second three. And David appointed him over his guard. So he became head over the bodyguard of David. He would later become the captain over the armies of Israel under Solomon. Then from verses 24 through the end of the chapter, verses 39, we have the 30 mighty men, and it would be torturous for me to try to pronounce all their names and torturous for you to listen to it, so I'm not even going to do that. If you want to read it, you can read it, but just know this, we may not know who these people are, their names may be meaningless to us, but they weren't meaningless to God, and God recorded their mighty acts, and the fact that they were mighty warriors, mighty men of valor, just as the Lord is recording everything you do. The Lord knows your works. And sometimes we think, does anybody care what I'm doing? Does it even matter? Hey, it matters to the Lord. And what these guys did matter to the Lord. And what you do matters to the Lord. And he's keeping a record of it. Of that, you can be sure.
1: You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we'll see where David takes a census of Israel contrary to the law and the advice of his general Joab. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 2 Samuel on Simply the Bible.